When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about season six, episode 10, titled Nippy, which of course is the dog's name. And not a commentary on how cold it is outside. Oh, cold outside. And, and uh, isn't, isn't that a, a word for like stealing things? You to, to nip something? Or is that Nick? Nick or Nab. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so is it just the weather and the dog? Can't be it. I think so. I think that's it. Hmm. All right. Catnip. Well, it's, it's fine. Uh, what'd you think of this episode? We finally got it. We finally got a full black and white gene episode. Yeah. We've been the prophesied full gene episode. The beginning of my notes say gene scene exclamation mark. I didn't realize it was going to be gene <laughs> episode. <laughs> right. Which I I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, I did too. It was nice to it was nice to fast forward for a longer bit. Um, we also got roughly 30 minutes of Jim O'Hare eating Cinnabon mm-hmm. and enjoying the hell out of it. And I'm I'm not really I'm not mad about it. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I'm not either. I'm jealous. He's deeply uh, jealous. He he eats it well too. You know, he doesn't just jam his hand into this soggy, gooey <laughs> mess and cram it in his mouth. He's very he's sophisticated. He's sophisticated. Yeah, he's classy. Yep. <laughs> I have all kinds of questions around those scenes that we'll get to. But okay. yes, I I really enjoyed seeing, obviously. Jerry from Parks and Rec. Yeah, if you're yeah. If familiar you, if with you... this guy, that's where you know him from. <laughs> exactly. Every episode, literally every episode of Parks and Rec. Yeah. And I absolutely love they kept his character roughly the same. Basically, yeah. Which we'll talk about later, too. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really like this episode. I will say it does not move the ball very far forward. If we're going to put it in like football terms, <laughs> they gained a yard on this, but. Honestly, yeah. they but they needed like <laughs> twenty five. Um, maybe or maybe the they didn't. The Who knows? Right, right, and we still have plenty of time, so yeah. no big deal. But yes, this was very much like a setup and um, getting Gene into a place where he's a character that we that has like some agency, right? Yeah, it's the first Gene heist we've uh-huh. ever seen for sure. Yeah, so I, I didn't feel like it was not worthy of our time. Mm. I felt like it it was extremely enjoyable to watch mm-hmm. uh, in that way that, you know, Better Call Saul and, and Slip and Jimmy scams are where yeah. as they unfold, you start to see the details of it and it, everything just locks in and makes sense by the end of it. And there's always a dramatic moment yes. <laughs> where things all, all seems lost. Uh-huh. Perfect. Yeah, I remember back in the coffee shop, you know, with or coffee shop, coffee <laughs> shop, uh, copier shop, when you know his his dude gets stuck inside mm-hmm. the thing because, uh, you know, his uh, 
some dude got kicked out of his house and had to spend the night there. And yeah, it was, it was a whole thing. Yeah, his scams always seem to have like one thing that doesn't go quite perfect. A little wrinkle. Yeah. And then we know, and I have a lot of questions around this, we know that these scams tend to lead to more problems. You know, mm-hmm. this is never just like, all right, I scanned my way out of that, and yeah. there's no way this can come back on me, and everything is fine. But Gene is playing it like that at the end, which is scary to me. That is kind of scary, especially because Gene knows Jimmy's history. Gene is Jimmy. <laughs> right. So what are you Think thinking, about man? about why you're here in the situation yeah. you are. Right. And it ain't because you played everything by the book. It's because you're slipping. Mm-hmm. Slipping Gene. So, yeah, there's probably... It's probably a lot of uh, ice to slip on here. He's probably already <laughs> slipped and just doesn't realize it. Probably. Cracked his head on the ground. There's a, a nice polished floor underneath him. There's always consequences. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what those look like mm-hmm. for Gene in this setting. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club? Whoo boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-run movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members, with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is rewarding to itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. You ready? I'm ready. I'm All ready right. as you are. I'm ready. No teaser again. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Carol Burnett goes grocery shopping and encounters Jean on her way home. Turns out she's Cabbie Jeff's mom, and Saul's there to get him off his back. Jean is there to get him off his back. Is she Cabbie Jeff's mom? She's Cabbie Jeff's mom. Is Cabbie Jeff Cabbie Jeff? Uh, Yes. He's wearing the same clothes. He's got the same isotopes air freshener in his cab. He's driving a cab. It's true. He's not the same man, though. That's 100% for sure. 100%, yes. He was recast due to a scheduling conflict. Yeah. Who could have predicted that four years after somebody's first appearance on a show, (laughs) they wouldn't immediately be available for shooting. Sure. 
<laughs> How do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? I'm fine with it. It is what it is. It didn't like mess with my enjoyment of the story or the character. I will say, I think he plays the character a little bit differently. There's a little bit more of an anxious energy to yep. the character where there was more Less of a menace. douchey confidence before. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It is a different take on the Jeff character. Um, I I wish there was some way to like go back and, and smooth that over. And I'm sure the production team <laughs> does too. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it's but fine. They, they do a good enough job of telling us, hey, this is Jeff. I mean, that, that opening shot of him looking in the mirror mm-hmm. with the air freshener dangling from it yeah. is exactly... Yeah, that that's like the thing you remember about Jeff if you remember anything. Yeah, I mean that's Gene. that's what made Gene panic in the first place. Yeah. What set him on this new path. Yep. So I guess that worked for me. Uh I I really like these scenes. I'm not a Carol Burnett fan, which is not to say I don't like her. I just mm-hmm. don't know her. It's not I'm, familiar with her work. Yeah. I might have seen some of the Carol Burnett show on Nick at night or something when I was super young, but like there was, yeah, that, that was the generation before me. Um, but people were excited about Carol Burnett being on this. Yeah. Uh, early, early American female comedy Uh is something I care a lot about. I'm I'm more, uh, uh, Murphy Brown. (laughs) Sure. Not really comedy, but okay. What? The Murphy Wait. Brown show? Yeah. Oh, is it? Not? Okay, I don't. She's absolutely comedy. I'm actually not super familiar. Yeah, that's a generation <laughs> for you. Sure. Uh, a, a lot of good stuff in here. They're doing a lot of good characterization with her to show that she's like a, a crabby old lady, essentially. <laughs> and She's a fun old lady. I think crabby is the wrong word. She's fun. Fun? Yeah. She's Tell sassy. Telling Wisconsin to cram it up their schnauzer hole <laughs> this is schnauzer farms did you see the the packaging oh yeah you're i right. love that because okay. you know tom schnauz is a name that we're all familiar with definitely as uh fans of breaking bad and better call saul mm-hmm. so like to have it schnauzer farms it's <laughs> you know kind of like what they did with uh hank's beer right the schrader schrader brow schrader yeah. brow uh and breaking bad yeah she's not a fan of extra sharp cheddar and to be fair it's a strong flavor. It I'm is a strong flavor. It's a strong flavor for an old white lady. <laughs> sure. But, but I, I think she's crabby because she's like, she's stubborn. She's like clearly set in her ways and super stubborn. Hmm. Like the scene where she, you know, is rolling up the sidewalk and gets stuck. Clearly can't get out of that situation. And she's like, nah, I don't need a, I don't need help. Yeah. Well, she could maybe get out of that situation, but yeah, she is. She wants to do things for herself. I'd say I'd say she's more self-possessed than she is crabby. She's hmm. she's got a strong personality. I don't know. Seem crabby to me. Independent but lady. Clearly, Gene uh, placed like a stick or something in the sidewalk there to stop her. Yeah, or like a a wet bag or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, you know what? When we saw him like lean down. To switch uh, off behind the, her to turn yeah. off her, to to put her scooter in neutral, and then he cut her that that cable. I thought that was a brake line. We were both terrified <laughs> that that was a brake <laughs> line, and I'm like, I don't want to watch an old lady get run over right? the beginning Ow. of this episode. What the hell? Yeah, how does that help you? <laughs> uh, that's just gonna bring more attention, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it turns out that was just the battery 
connector uh, battery wire. Yeah. And it, you know, all this stuff shows like how long Gene has been observing this and planning this, right? Like mm-hmm. he's observed her long enough that he knows uh, not just what her route is, but that she even has a route that, right. that she travels. Like he has to observe her day after day mm-hmm. in order to get that information. I don't know how he does that given that, you know, he works at Cinnabon pretty much During morning to night. Yeah. Um, maybe this the is a weekend. Yeah. yeah. So she thinking. shops on the weekend. It's like the worst possible time to grocery shop, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he has Mondays off or something. Who knows? <laughs> and he just does that. So this might've been, you know, weeks, months in the planning, uh, which makes you wonder why Jeff wasn't coming around before then. Yeah. I don't know. He probably, he didn't really know exactly where he lives. He was just like, well, he get, he told him like, take me to this address. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder why Jeff didn't come around sooner. No. We know that Jimmy is very good with timing. At least at the beginning of his cons. So none mm. of this really like threatened my sense of whatever, my sense of disbelief. No, me either. I, I thought it was it was all good, man. <laughs> um, I. I, I like the intro too, but between like, you know, the, um, the scooter stuff that he does and then hanging out at her house, uh, there's the intro, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the theme song and everything and the tape just like stops playing. Yeah. Which that was a nice touch. I'm wondering where they can go from here. You know, if the tape is broken, do they just have it next time? No music, no nothing, no <laughs> video. It just says like no tape found or please load a tape or is it like the cassettes pulled out and sitting on the VCR and the tape <laughs> is like hanging out of it like you got eaten? I oh, mean, boy, you're really you're really thinking about this part of it. I mean, we got like four <laughs> more episodes to go and it's degrading fast. Yeah, so. no, you're right. Uh, Peach Schnapps. Peach Schnapps, by the way. Interesting choice. Yeah, it feels like a thing that an old old lady might drink. Is that a Midwestern thing? Sure. Hmm. I could see it. Just by itself, though? Gosh. Put it in some OJ. Makes it a lot better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Put a little bit of, what is it, grenadine in there, too? Okay. You're, mm, I was going to say you're part of the way to Tequila Sunrise, but kid, that requires tequila. tequila. Yeah. So actually, I don't know anything. You are. You're about twenty percent short <laughs> of a tequila sunrise. Uh, I. It's an interesting move, and it's a very uh, Gene Jimmy Saul move to try to get somebody off his back by scamming with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. And by the end of the episode, you understand like the true purpose of it, right? That mm-hmm. mutually assured destruction that he talks about. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So it's both fun to see. And then they had that wrinkle where it's like extra clever because he's entrapped them into his web of lies. His web of lies. They go down. Deceit. It's true. Um, I really love Bob Odenkirk playing this wholesome Midwest house maker, <laughs> uh, you know, cooking dinner and all yeah. this stuff. It kind of takes you back to his early days with the Elder Law stuff. Mm hmm. Slipping Jimmy. I um, liked him with the Elder Law stuff. I did too. Was- yeah. I don't know, like, yeah, obviously he's manipulating people as he's talking to them, but also he 
knows how to make a person feel kind of good and yep friendly and accepted yeah i think like that's part of what the the dog posters or flyers are about right mm-hmm. like he knows this woman is self motive what did you call her <laughs> self possessed self possessed yeah um aka crabby <laughs> no what am <laughs> and, i crabby i'm self possessed no, am i crabby no, no. and <laughs> And he knows that he's got to like, crack that outer shell, right? Sure. I don't have anything against old ladies. <laughs> got to crack that got crab something shell. Against this old lady, this crabby old one. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's got to crack that crab shell with the picture of the dog, right? Yeah, he's instant find sympathy. A way in there. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they already know each other, at least a little bit, because he calls her by name. But while they're on the sidewalk still, and she's inviting him in. Yeah. So, either she goes by the mall sometimes, or... Yeah, she's a Cinnabon lover. Maybe he's walked past her. Maybe that's how he knows her route. He's greeted her on the street. Could be. Could be. Makes it more reasonable that he would happen to be nearby when she broke down. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, don't ask me what her name was, because I don't remember. Marion. Marion, okay. Yeah. There I only knew that because I looked it up. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, I I didn't pick it up during the episode either. It's it the clerk at the store at the deli says it, and Jean says it too on the street. Right. right. But yeah, I, I knew it was him, but that was it. And then there's um, you know, Jeff comes home and he's dismayed to see Jean, <laughs> aka Saul Goodman, in his mm-hmm. mom's kitchen. Right. I think he's living with her. Right. It seems like it, yeah. That's the impression I got. And mm-hmm. I, I like the later when, you know, that night after they've had dinner and everything and they go out to the trash and Jeff's like, all right, what's what's going on here, man? And he's like, well, you want in the game. And he offers him that Saul Goodman life. And, and he does it by like, you know, laying out a picture of his life that isn't pathetic. It's not sad, right? It's just like... Mediocre. He says, you're sweating the bills. Like, it's a hard life. Yeah. It's not. It's not a sad, pathetic, you should be ashamed life. And... He specifically doesn't mention him living with his mother mm-hmm. because that might introduce shame into the equation right. and then just turn this whole thing against him. Because He's like a huge distraction. You're sweating the bills. You're trying to pay off that cab. You've uh, you're getting older, right? It's like it's nothing he should be ashamed of. It's just stuff that's like hard on him. Yeah, totally. I like that. That that's a nuance of Saul that he understands people, like you were saying. He really does. Next, we are with Gene, closing up the Cinnabon the next night. He charms his way into the security room with Cinnabon and establishes a routine over a course of a montage. Yes. I forgot to talk uh, in the previous scene because it's like a kind of a separate scene, but he goes home after uh, uh, yeah, and sure. he's listening on the police scanner for news of his whereabouts. Yeah. And he's riffling. And he's riffling through his old... Saul Goodman stuff yeah. and he's putting the pinky ring back on. Oh yeah, that's like the first bit of Saul accoutrement that he mm-hmm. regains. That pinky ring gives him power. Pinky ring gives him power. And Scam the, power. The rusty nail does not, I assume. <laughs> I don't know. The rusty nail is a very gene thing. The pinky ring is a honestly slipping Jimmy thing. That's not even Saul Goodman. Now that we know more about it, that goes all the way yeah, back. It does. It does go all the way back. He was not quite Saul Goodman yet. Yeah. When his friend died. Anyway, but, yeah, I, I just want to talk about, you know, him listening and 
knowing that he hasn't turned him in yet and all that. Yeah. Uh, just in case anybody forgot, that pinky ring is from his friend that he used to run little cons with, small-time yeah. cons with. He's the same one who died in an alley. Mm-hmm. A heart attack. So. Marco. Marco. Yep. Okay, now we can talk about the, the scenes where he's charming the guards. Yeah, Cinnabon. <laughs> I deeply regret every time I leave this house since I've seen this episode and not gotten a Cinnabon. Yeah. <sighs> it's on my mind. I'd like to have one. Not every day. Not like Frank. Because <laughs> then I would look like yeah. Frank. But <laughs> well, definitely one. One would be good. One would be good. Just one hot, sticky, mm-hmm. gooey mm-hmm. Cinnabon just to stick my bear paw right in. Yeah. Eat it like an animal. Yeah. <laughs> Do so, go full mukbang with it. <laughs> uh, Sorry, there... I'm, I'm just having Cinnabon thoughts now. You're going to have to move us on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, you couldn't have picked a nicer looking guy for the security guard, right? Yeah. Jerry from Parks and Rec, and they didn't change him much. Which um, is a very friendly, open yep. personality. Yeah. Just gave him a, a different job. He has the same, like, good family life at home. Mm-hmm. Later when he's like, <laughs> Saul's like, you felt like this before? And, well, no, not me, but <laughs> when he, people. When he fake breaks down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course Jerry doesn't have bad days. Come on. <laughs> or if he does have bad days, he just, like... <laughs> I don't know. Power of positivity through through him. Mm-hmm. I, I was super worried for Frank in these scenes because I thought, oh, no, no. Jimmy's put something in this. The way that Jimmy's <laughs> looking at it, the timing. Yeah, the timing. Eating it. The really focusing on how this man eats a Cinnabon. I was, I was waiting for like severe poop <laughs> cramps to hit. I was waiting uh-huh. for all kind of like sleeping something. And, yeah. And it's. He's sweating a little bit, and I noticed <laughs> yes. the sweat glistening on his lip. I'm like, there it is. The laxatives are kicking in, baby. But no, no, it was even, it was it was better. And that's one better, of the things yeah. about Better Call Saul is those scams are always better than I think they're going to be. Yeah, you, you think you maybe know the angle, and then the show tells you that you're a slight moron. And I hope you're... I hope you're on board with this. I hope you think it's clever because it's the rest of the damn episode. <laughs> it is the rest of the damn episode. Like I said at the top, like 30 minutes of this episode is this man eating cinnamon buns mm-hmm. and enjoying the hell out of it, but still. God damn. I, I do wonder how he knew Frank's both demeanor and proclivity for the sweets because I understand how he could know that Nick leaves at 945 every night, right? He sees him in the parking lot mm, doing his the rounds. The other security guard, yeah. Yeah, but how does he... How does Frank not recognize him and yet he knows so much about him? What what will get to him? I couldn't really come up with a good plausible scenario for that. Because he's clearly not talking to Nick. Yeah, I know. My, my understanding of... So, weird way to phrase it, but like mall culture, working in a mall culture, is that everybody kind of knows everybody. Because you mm-hmm. see each other every day. Either just walking by or in the uh, lunch area. Gotcha. Or... So maybe he's stopped by a few times. Yeah. The Cinnabon. He's or... probably gotten some sneaky Cinnabons before. He okay. strikes me as a man who has had a sneaky hmm. Cinnabon a time or two. Yeah. I can get behind that. That seems plausible to me. That's, I mean, that's me explaining the show away, but it makes sense to me. 
Okay. Did you notice, and you did notice because I pointed it out while we were watching it, when he when Gene says Scout's Honor, he crosses his fingers. He literally mm. holds up his hand and crosses his fingers. One, not the Boy Scout motto. Two, <laughs> it's what you do when you're lying about something, man. True. Lying. Lying like a dog. Yep. He, he, I, is that subconscious? Is that... What is that? It seems intentional. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a little jokey joke for himself All in right. the moment. He does that every once in a while. He does that every once in a while. He <laughs> likes to amuse himself. Back in that Kashada episode, his <laughs> accent was that. <laughs> like, he just wanted to play that preacher so he could do the accent. But. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. A thousand <laughs> years ago when he's trying to get Huel yeah. to not go to prison. Mm-hmm. He's writing a bunch of, yeah, 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 all the Louisiana stuff. <laughs> that seems like a fun accent to fake. I will not do it here no because it will not be good no that would offend everyone including myself oh (laughs) yeah yeah deep ties to no i just have to hear it (laughs) what if what if i said nolens nolens i mean that's just how you say it right (laughs) if you're from there and i'm definitely from there yeah confirmed i'm not uh so we get like the the big montage you know of him making the cinnabon and taking it to frank and doing it like every night for a week or some crazy shit like yeah, that yeah long enough to like for nick to get familiar with him and start and like actually liking him. him yeah yeah uh so it took a while this song that's playing apparently is from an old mission impossible i, I guess the tv series i don't know again before my time uh it's called jim on the move though which is a <laughs> particularly Perfect choice, I guess. Well, you know that's what they do. They just Google the the name of the character and the feeling or what they're doing <laughs> in the moment, and then one of the top three song results. That's one that they not, not according to Peter Gould. Peter Gould says, know. and Michelle McLaren specifically said, like, I came to Peter and asked, like, do you have any specific songs in mind for this? Mm. I'm thinking something along the lines of like Mission Impossible meets Austin Powers, and he was like, like as a matter of fact, I do. So it's a coincidence. Okay. Yeah, and they had trouble clearing it, I guess. Um, hmm. Yeah, the uh, there's a lot of stuff you know that I like about the Insider podcast, and this week they had a couple of things like the the stuff with Jeff. I really wanted to know about. Yeah, the stuff with Jeff. The stuff with the mall was super interesting. The department store. Uh huh. Oh, my God, I, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. But boy, what a it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to make a show. Yeah, sure is. Uh, one episode of a show and apparently it was a lot of work to get this song too so hmm. yeah go check that out if you want the full story there's a lot of good stuff in there yeah so after this montage uh, we follow gene to a department store in the mall we watch him map it out by foot foot by foot with his feet then we watch him run jeff cabby jeff in a field that he's marked with the store layout he's training him Mm-hmm. and during this we start to fully understand the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in previous scenes, you, you should have been noticing. I was noticing everything but this until uh, this point, but should have been noticing that when Frank eats the Cinnabon, he turns away from the security monitors. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, okay, well, how is that going to help him? Um, and here we see, okay, they're going to send Jeff in to the store. He's going to steal 
a bunch of stuff real quick and then get out with it. And if, you know, they don't catch him on the security monitors, they'll never know anything's wrong until they perform inventory at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And by that time, the tapes, the security tapes will, will have been, been erased. Yeah. So it's actually a, a really like good scam. I, I think like this would probably work, especially in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, yeah, back, back before they had like cloud data and all that <laughs> stuff going up to the cloud constantly. Yeah, yeah, nothing's being backed up. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, if it's all on tapes, it's not. It, only like the highest security stuff ever got. Oh, well, we have, you know, rotating tapes for like a month or a year or something, and mm-hmm. we can go back to any of that stuff. Now, 72 hours feels right. It does feel right. In the scene, I, I only noticed it on the second watch, or I thought to notice it on the second watch. There's a really cool transition between Gene's uh, feet as he is walking through the mall, like marking the steps, and then onto the snowy field. It just mm-hmm. goes from one step to the next. You're in the snowy field. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. It's a good way to get us there quickly. They are good with that stuff. Very good. You want to talk about this mnemonic... <laughs> Like beat poem. Sure, <laughs> I didn't write it down. I don't to know memorize. it before. Yeah, so so Saul, so Jimmy, this whole thing. Yeah, Patagonia to survive is five. I know mm-hmm. that for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, what was it? <laughs> Nine I know. lacy lingerie is mine, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh-huh, that was a good one. You were kind of giving Jeff a little bit of a hard time for going, like, out loud, going through that mnemonic as he is in the department store later, but yeah, that would actually be super useful for me. That would help me focus. Sure. Just repeating that to myself. Yeah, well, what if, like, a security guard's walk? I mean, I guess he knows there aren't going to be any security guards walking by. Yeah. So, nobody's I mean, going to hear him. First thing a security guard walking by is going to notice is that there is somebody in the store after hours. Probably not going to give a shit what they're saying. <laughs> well, they have to see him for that, but if they don't, mm, sure. if they hear him talking out loud to himself, they're going to know somebody's in there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It probably does help to say it out loud. Running on a snowy field seems like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got boots. He should, he should be okay. <laughs> uh, I was more concerned with like during the practice session, they couldn't practice running up and down the escalators. And they could not. You were tr- you were exactly right. And those escalators aren't moving at night. So they're yeah. just basically stairs and stairs. big staircases. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that would have added at least 20, 30 seconds to his time. The timing of all of this, like it, it does strain credulity a little bit, even just in the course of the episode i feel like it takes longer obviously it does because he bonks his noggin (laughs) (laughs) most righteously (laughs) but even up till then it yeah it felt like it was taking longer than that it does i was listening to the insider once again it apparently took like 11 minutes for him to complete these runs he did a couple of them like full runs all the way through Mm -hmm. without stopping and yeah it took like 11 minutes total so they're definitely fudging the numbers uh, a little bit with the the editing, but honestly, I didn't I didn't really notice. I, the the thing about it is, it's 
they know, right? They know how much time they have. They know how much time, how much stuff they can steal in that time, mm-hmm. and ultimately, like, knock a couple of numbers off the mnemonic, and you'll get your time down. Sure. So, like, I don't know. We asked feedback later that I I want to talk more in depth about that, but okay, we'll get there. Yeah. One last thing here before we move on is uh, there's a reference to Walt. Which mm, is pretty overt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like it's really hard to miss. Fifty something comes in with no money, can't pay his mortgage, and then he's got cash the size of a Volkswagen. Uh, yeah, he's talking about Walt. He's very clearly talking about Walt. Yeah, when he's uh, Jeff is saying that the scam is crazy. He's like, you know, it's crazy. This guy. He. I love how he, you know, touts the triumphs of walt making millions of dollars in a year doesn't mention all he doesn't mention the aftermath or the pre-math all the deaths and sure the cartel yeah just the just the the math yeah no all the things he had to do to get there and Mm -hmm. the dude's dead now the dude's dead from the cancer and he lost his entire family before he died not to death yeah, and also I'm being hunted because of that. And like, <laughs> right. there's so much stuff here that he leaves out of this story that it's almost laugh out loud hilarious. It is pretty funny. Funny sad. Mm-hmm. So next, we are back at the mall where the department store manager gets a weird late night delivery. And then the con is on. Yeah, the con is on. I thought I was being conned in this scene myself. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I see these scuffs on the floor. Yeah. And I, my head immediately goes, oh, they've already done the heist, and Jeff was wearing black shoes, and this right. is going to tip them off to know, hey, that scuff wasn't there when we closed last mm-hmm. night. What happened? And it turns out, no, that's just the reason that the floor gets polished, in so that, that Jeff spot. will slip on it later. Yeah. Which, okay, that makes sense. I didn't even make that connection with that part of the scene. I'd kind of... The scuff mark had just like left my memory until the second watch. And I saw it again. I'm like, oh, that's the exact same spot that he slipped. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And I knew it, you know, couldn't have been after the con because then we go immediately to the loading docks where mm-hmm. there's a big box delivery. And I'm like, oh, Jeff's There's in the a box. big man sized box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, yes. But yeah, this whole thing is great. It is. So they so Jeff is in the box, obviously, and as soon as the coast is clear, he gets going, but getting going isn't him getting out of the box is included in his time. Yeah. And and running back and forth between the store and the loading dock is mm-hmm. in his time, which I didn't realize until this scene. Which is why I was like, mm, three minutes, all right, fine. Yeah, it's tough. And stuff. Tough to do. You got to run faster. You got to choose faster, too. Can't be so picky, man. Yeah. He's looking through, checking the tags for the, size. Oh, my God. The sweaters. Yeah, he's, like, picking specific <laughs> right. colors of sweater. Like, dude. Feeling them. He's You're... feeling them as, as he, he Ooh, just sits cashmere. there and rubs the cashmere for, like, yeah. three seconds. Like, clock's ticking, man. Get going, man. Uh, uh, so it, that goes fine until it doesn't. Yeah. I, real quick, I wanted to go back to the, the scene with the loading dock where mm-hmm. uh, she calls up, you know, the, the company that turns out to be Saul. The or department Jean. store manager. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jean like sells this whole story about like how they can't get out there. They can't take <laughs> the box because the fish and 
And there's a shot at the very end, which I really love. It's Gene closing the sale is essentially what he's doing. He's sealing the deal here and he's looking directly at himself in the mirror while he does it, uh, where he's like saying, no, thank you. I mean, he's seeing his old self, right? He's mm-hmm. like, this is like him watching those commercials, except in real time. Yeah. And it was just such a nice, subtle moment. He's getting that. He's getting that old thrill again. Yeah. Which I think is important to understand when we get to the end of this episode, especially. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, great, great stuff. And, you know, when this thing starts to go wrong, I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's even funnier. Um, oh, that the moment, the moment where he slips mm-hmm. and knocks the shit out of the back of his head. The way they like edited and cut that, it yes. was so jarring, but it's also kind of hilarious because yeah. Gene is all, chokes on his coffee at the same time. Uh-huh. The the editing there is so good. They're showing everything. I mean, that what must have taken you know half a second is drawn out to like four or five seconds yeah. in the edit, and you get to see everybody's realization of what's happening, their reaction to it. Yes, uh, all at the same time. It's very good throughout the, the next like a minute of this scene they keep cutting back to jeff just <laughs> oh just full God. starfish on the floor he's knocked out yeah. cold and i'm just cracking up the whole <laughs> me time me too i'm laughing just thinking about it it's that i that was my somebody got hurt that sucks but that was my favorite bit of this yeah. episode i think yeah and Is then watching him improvise to moment. try and yes. keep frank's attention while you know this thing is going on he the digs into monitors. digs into fake pain accidentally discovers real pain i i love it there's a, yeah. a tinge of truth in this sad story right and it, that's something that jimmy pulls from a lot mm-hmm. if you notice a lot of his scams are like half truths that reveal something about himself and i feel like i I've gotten a better handle on who he is over the years. Um, Sometimes I wasn't quite sure if he was actually feeling those moments or if he was just putting on a, a, you know, sad face because he needed to for the con. Right. And I think it's both. I mean, I think there are, there are the things he's done do haunt him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's also willing to exploit them (laughs) for gain. Yeah. No, he, every, (laughs) every bit of trauma is just another tool in his, toolbox yeah that hurts to use but also if you have it why not use it right it's a lot like the writers of this show right (laughs) we call it strip mining the past yeah uh, on this but yeah every wrinkle they add to a character every bit of trauma they will grab a hold of and use as a story hook later if you can't run from it use it yep the other thing about these this confession is i was kind of hoping we'd get a hint as to kim's fate yeah you were you were like you were like sweating. There was like a little bit of drool coming yeah. out of the corner. You're like, Mention Frank your wife. Being a Mention your wife. Yeah. And he said he doesn't have a wife. And that's all he said about Which it. I, I think is some information. I, I mean, if we're saying that, look, this this lie that he's telling here isn't a lie. It's actually the truth. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, the truth told for a nefarious purpose. Then him saying he doesn't have a wife, I think, is important because uh, the question has been. For the longest time, like, where is Kim during Breaking Bad? Sure. Kim, like, we haven't seen Kim around. Doesn't necessarily mean she isn't around. Mm-hmm. I think this kind of confirms that she did not escape with Gene. You know, she wasn't also whisked away right. by the disappearer uh, and taken to Nebraska. No, she is gone. 
Yeah, he could also just be lying, but I don't think so. That yeah, that's it the thing. Seem like, like if it. he wanted to tell a lie, you could have told him anything, yeah. literally anything. But he's telling him bits of truth from his own life here. Mm-hmm. It's true. So. Trying to mine that for <laughs> to buy himself time. Yeah, for poor Jeff to wake up. <laughs> very, does. A very disorientingly like yes. gather his ill-gotten goods and like stumble off. Like a ghost. No, no. Like a shadow. Like a shadow. God, I love him stumbling around. Yeah, it was good. And now we know a little bit more of the story behind uh, the actor and mm-hmm. the troubles that he was having <laughs> during yeah. that day of shooting, running back and forth. Uh, it really got to him, apparently. Apparently, he needed oxygen and a nap at one point. Yeah. Uh, the, I guess the altitude there is higher than I expected. It's a mile higher. It's about a mile, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, running around for 10 hours is going to be tough on anybody. Definitely. And... It, it, why doesn't Jeff just get back in the box? Why doesn't he just get I Instead of the bathroom ploy? My assumption is that it is far too full of luxury goods at that point, because okay. he does grab a lot of stuff. It, it does seem like it would be easier, but maybe you couldn't breathe in there either. <laughs> maybe there wouldn't be an yeah, air hole. Yeah, a bunch of hours in there as opposed to, you after know, maybe an hour. And after he's just been running like hell, so he's kind of out of breath. Off. Yeah. yeah, you could be right. I didn't see any air holes, and that would kind of give it away if there were air holes. I would so much rather hide in a bathroom than a box. Yeah. Let me tell you. A bathroom's a good choice, you know, unless they check it in the morning, (laughs) which they wouldn't. I mean, you clean it at night, Mm -hmm. and then you just assume that no one has been in there shitting it up. Yeah, that wouldn't, I wouldn't, that wouldn't cross my mind if I were opening a store. I mean, you can just walk out like he did, right? He's so, <laughs> yeah. he's so stiff. And there's, you know, some good details about that in the Insider podcast <laughs> about what Michelle McLaren told him. What was it? Yeah, her, her directorial note for him as he's leaving the store. I guess he didn't look uncomfortable enough. She said, pretend that you have hemorrhoids. Walk like you have walk hemorrhoids. Walk like you have hemorrhoids. Yeah. <laughs> And he does. And, and he does. I, I was driving when I was listening to that part of the Insider podcast, and that cracked me up a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I ran the scene back in my mind, because I remember the way he was walking when I was watching it the first time. I'm like, come on, man. You can be more natural than that. Right. <laughs> because he's walking like he's walking like his booty hole hurts. Yep. It's like it's puckered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a good note. Really funny. Good stuff there. Amazing. Uh, also, recommendation, um, I, I'm i not sure if he slept in the bathroom, but you shouldn't sleep with a concussion, which he almost certainly has. You should not sleep with a concussion. You're yeah. right about that. Don't go to sleep when you got a concussion. Get to a doctor. Oh, man. This is before smartphones. What the hell did he do the rest of the night? I <laughs> mean, he just slept. <laughs> oh, no. But, but how do you sleep in a toilet stall? Like, you sit on the toilet and... I can't sleep on an airplane. There's no way I could sleep in a toilet stall. Sit on the toilet, lay your head against the wall. That's like it. You're going to end up on the floor. You're going to end up on the floor. You're going to end up like missing your wake-up cue. Yeah. Maybe. And then you could just pretend to be a homeless guy who <laughs> wandered in. They sure. didn't see him. Yeah, sure. Certainly looks a bit disheveled. By the time he, he leaves, his hair is wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bless him. 
Uh, ready to move. Mm-hmm. All right. Second to last, I guess, scene, if you want to count the very last bit of scene. The conspirators meet in Jeff's garage the next day, and Gene lets them know just how many felonies they committed together. And here's where the final wrinkle comes into the plot, right? Yep. It was not just a way to appease this guy. It was a way to entrap this guy. Mm-hmm. So he's got the mutually assured destruction. He, he runs through the whole list of like, yeah, I was honestly thinking Rico might be mentioned once he started talking <laughs> about state lines. And then I'm like, eh, yeah, probably doesn't exactly apply, but uh, curious to know what the lawyers out there think. We've mm. got a couple of them who write yeah. in. Uh, there might be a little legal stuff to do here. Legal legwork. Uh, yeah. If he goes down, they go down. Mm-hmm. They agree that they're done. Do you think they really are? It takes far too many repetitions mm-hmm. before Jeff finally says we're done. So, yeah. I yeah. that No. It's like we were saying at the top of the episode. There's no way this isn't coming back in some way. Yeah. And it's also the way that, you know, they have Gene with a little pep in his step and feeling mm-hmm. like he's pulled off the perfect scam. I, this is going to turn sour. There's always just, there's always something. Yeah. There's always something, something that he didn't think about. I mean, I, I can think of two things right away. Does he still have to bring Cinnabon to Frank every day? Is he going to stop doing oh, yeah. that? What will Frank say if he does? Right. Uh, the other one, does he still have to keep visiting Marion every so often? <laughs> what if she wants to come to his house or just pops in unannounced? Where's your dog? Where's Nip- Nippy? Where is Nippy? Yeah. Mm, uh, you don't look like you own a dog. What the hell, dude? I don't see a single piece of dog hair anywhere right? in this apartment. Your furniture looks fine. You have no food bowls. You have no food bowls. There's not like just a hint of a smell. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah, I think there are loose ends here. Definitely, um, but and his Jeff and, and yeah, his friend being the biggest loose ends. But right, and we know nothing about his friend who is <laughs> credited as Jeff's friend, and they call him Buddy, like you told me in the Insider podcast. Um, yeah, we don't know anything about this guy other than he no. has he does have a dog. Yeah, he he strikes me a little like Meth Damon was. <laughs> uh, Shit, what's his real name? We call him Meth Damon so much. Well, he's Todd in the show. Todd, thank you. Yeah. God, Meth Damon. I forgot all about that. You chuckle fucks. Yeah, right? Like, he's he's not slow, per se. He's just a little, like, tuned out and, he's, like, whatever. Yeah, he's not not an overly complicated much. person. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Just a simple guy, and that's yeah, fine. Yeah, simple guy, simple desires. I wish I was a simple guy. I'd like to have... Head empty. Uh, no thoughts, dog. head empty. Yeah. yeah, no no thoughts, head empty, dog on leash. That'd be pretty nice. Sure. <laughs> Until you have to walk it every day. That's not nice anymore. True. Outside, yuck. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I assume he has to keep doing those things at least for a little while. At least for the 72 hours. Mm-hmm. But then what? Then what indeed. <laughs> also what I love. We're talking about all these loose ends. The loose end, it won't be probably anything that we've mentioned. Right. right. Delightfully. Because these writers are better writers than we are. Thank God. Yeah, maybe... Uh, I don't, did Jeff <laughs> leave something in the bathroom stall? Look at you trying to, trying to find it. Why would he, <laughs> he, why so would he do that? <laughs> that he, 
that he climbed atop of the toilet. I don't even know if uh-huh. uh, mall toilets have an upper deck. I think I it's all built in. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's too dangerous. Specifically to prevent uh-huh. idiots from doing that. Yeah. Just asking for an upper decker. If you asking for it. If you have a deck. You're asking for an upper. Mm-hmm. It's all. It's an upper and a downer. And a dumper. I don't know. You're right. There will be some other wrinkle. There will be. Looking forward to seeing what that is. I like that Jeff's mom says the gene's a good influence. Oh, God. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a nice touch. Yeah. They cleaned up some of the loose ends because I was really wondering like what um, the first time through when I watched this, what would Marion say? Like, what does Marion think happened to her scooter? Mm, but then mm-hmm. they make they make it clear that like Gene fixed the scooter with some electrical tape. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely, I would definitely be looking at my scooter like, wow, it looks like somebody cut that. (laughs) Right. I mean, a clean cut like that, that doesn't just happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they throw in a line there to clean that up makes me think that some of these other loose ends are actually loose ends. It might be. We'll see. We will see. Uh, I guess in the very last bit of this episode, Call it a scene if we want. We watch Gene moon over a truly awful shirt tie combo at the oh, department God. store. This is the what other. What is this about? This is an intentional loose end, in my opinion. This yeah. is this is the SG was here mm-hmm. of the department store. Yeah. Uh, this is him marking his territory, a calling card. Uh, mm. I feel like this is a new style entirely, though. This is not Saul. This no, is not no, the, the, it's too loud. So, yeah, yeah, Saul doesn't do a lot of, like, over-the-top patterns, really. He does more, like, bright colors. Bright colors, things that are not, things that wouldn't be super acceptable at, say, HHM or No, they're <laughs> incredibly Maine. offensive, but for different reasons. These, yeah. are, these are pattern-based offenses, and I get that you have to do that in a black-and-white thing right like you can't show <laughs> a, an off-white shirt with a gray yeah, tie and say sure. "Ooh, i'm offended so you got to go with patterns but this felt to me like gene creating his own style yeah, his it's own like a new card. it's a new thing it calls yeah, back a little bit to again. yeah it calls back to that red jacket that he's pulling on in the promos yeah because that is not that's not really a Saul goodman thing either and he looks like gene about it. that too right he's he does older, look like gene so. yeah he's got the glasses still he's got the Freaking mustache. The comb over. Yeah, the it's all there. Oh, no, he the always over. kind of has a comb over. He always has a comb over. It's a comb back yeah. instead of a comb over. <laughs> so to me, yeah, this is him saying, I'm back, baby. Maybe or, flare. or I, I want to be back, mm-hmm. but also I can't actually afford to buy this shirt <laughs> on Cinnabon salary. Yeah. I suppose. No, I mean, about... he's, got, he's got cash. Oh, I know. Boxes he has cash, cash. He has diamonds. He has all kinds of shit remember he has like a little uh-huh matchbox or something just full of diamonds whatever yeah. it was yeah his card box jewels. His jewels. jewels i've got a i got a couple of baggies of diamonds too upstairs yeah i'm yep. sure a jeweler jeweler <laughs> yeah, so more reasonable sense. for me to have it and you're also a museum robber so it makes shh, double sense shh, shh. <laughs> you, excuse me I, I believe the term is cat burglar Ah, is it? I don't know. Why do we only have one cat? Never mind. We have two. 
secretly I'm the second oh, cat. Shit. You've had a oh, oh you've no. had a cat this whole time. You've had a cat for seven years, boy, and I, you didn't even I know it. You were hiding a second cat from me. I didn't think you were the cat. <laughs> it is me. It is I who is the cat. No, I will not hide a second cat, nor will I get a second cat. I'm good with one, thanks. And I also love the let's call it complicated. The complicated look that Gene gives as he walks into this department store. In the very beginning of this last bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot in that look. And there it, is. it lingers on him for like three seconds or so as he kind of observes the place. And it goes from like investigation of how well this went. Like he's here mm-hmm. walking in very sort Checking of trepidatiously. The vibe. It's a vibe check. Yeah. Yep. Doing a vibe check, making sure no one's on to him. And once he sees. And once it passes the vibe check, he's like, almost a little disappointed in humanity is like, ah, oh, you rubes. He's like, that's so, that so easy. easy. Yeah. How, how, why have I not been doing this? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. More often. It's like, he's forgetting all the trouble. It's like, he's forgetting why he's here. Yeah. It's, ah, he's got, he's got a taste. He's got I a little know. whiff. He caught I a know. whiff of Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Get it? S-I-N. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did. And then he leaves that outfit and I'm like, well, okay. SG not only was here, but is here. Yeah. Is... I would love to see that shirt and tie in color, by the way. Yeah. It's like the one part. I do wonder if they're going to bring Gene into color by the end of this. There's no real reason they have to shoot it in black and white once mm-hmm. he turns back into the Jimmy we know. I mean, that's been my assumption the whole time is that the reason why his scenes have been black and white is because he has been stripped yeah. of this life basically mm-hmm. the, the life the verve the, mm-hmm, the vigor yeah so now that he's got a taste of it um you know maybe they start to bleed the color back in or maybe they just go full color next time that'd be kind of neat if they did <laughs> like they did at the very beginning of this season the very the teaser for the beginning of the season was the Saul Goodman mansion but the very first bit of that is the ties coming together into the box and they start out black and white because they are black and white ties and gradually they put in more colorful ties Mm -hmm. do that but with the show yeah Yeah. that could be neat i think you're probably dead right there dead right dead right the exact opposite of dead wrong (laughs) i'm alive right instead of dead wrong live right (laughs) uh speaking of teasers there's one final thing that they do before they leave us for the week that's the post episode like teaser for next week um mm-hmm. this time it's an overhead shot of a car pulling up to the crossroads literal crossroads and the quintessential crossroads yep. yep and the voiceover is <sighs> gene saul jimmy speaking to someone saying you get over it please believe me before you know it you forget all about it i think i hear kim's voice in this saying okay yeah it's it's debatable. It's debatable. Their voices can be very similar. Well, the reason I think it's times. Kim is because he's imploring somebody to believe him that they'll forget about something sure. that he would want them to forget about. Mm-hmm. And that to me feels like Kim, but it feels like, you know, we're, we're years too late for that in the gene yeah. timeline. So I'm wondering if we do get a flashback. Next week, that's something more along the lines of the 2004 timeline that we were in. Yeah, we might. That would make sense. Something that is between the last episode of 
you know, quote unquote, better call Saul in the mm-hmm. gene timeline. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming it's all about. But again, that's all predicated on the idea that he's talking to Kim because of that okay that sounds a lot like him to me that sounds I'm not a sure like, of. Yeah, it sounds a lot like uh, Bob Odenkirk to me. But <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> this is we're split. We are split on this one and it will be interesting yeah. to see who's right. We listened to it like five times and I was like, that's Kim. And you were like, that's Jimmy. That sounds like Jimmy. Just like, you know, his voice isn't as gravelly because he's going up a little bit. Hmm. I don't You You guys go through and listen to that again. Tell me what you think. I think I'm right. We need to do a test here. I need to get some inflection going up, mm-hmm. get some inflection going down. Let's. Me? Let's try it. Yeah, you going to try to sound like me? I don't know that we are similar in voice, sir. Let's find out. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 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 (laughs) Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe! Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcasts on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. We try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Okay, that's it for the episode. God.
we have a bunch of feedback to do. Yeah, let's get to it. Goofy uh, fuck. <laughs> we start <laughs> off with uh, stuff from last week. There, there were a lot of questions, uh, a lot of answers to the one question, the big question we had about the water glasses. Like, why did they set them down on the railing before they went up to talk to Cheryl? Oh, those glasses. Okay, yeah. Yes. Um, and boy, it's amazing how widely... Uh, you can interpret that one tiny insert <laughs> shot because we got like 15 different takes and almost everyone was different. I'm going to oh, read a good. few of them here. That means they're all wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're all right. Hmm. Schrodinger's take. Uh, Nate starts off here and says, the way I saw when Jim and Kimmy... No. Damn yeah. it. Jimmy and Kim <laughs> set the water glasses on the banister before talking to Cheryl. It was t- uh, showing other people also ditching their drinks before the hard moment of condolences. So the the coffee or tea oh, cup there were that multiple, we yeah. mentioned, yeah, you think like that's Cliff's cup and he just set it down before he went to talk to her or something like that. I changed my mind. I think this might be it. It could be it, but I've got that's like five others. Here we go. Eric says, uh, you were wondering why the camera lingered on that moment. Uh, it conveyed that Jim and Jimmy and Kim, stop writing Jim, people. <laughs> Jimmy and Kim. <laughs> We're only there to get in and get out as quickly as possible. The glasses were just a mere prop in approaching and speaking to Rich, and then on to the next, and then as an, uh, a quick, as quick an escape as possible. Uh, yeah, as a prop, I, I kind of like that. Hmm. Uh, Joshua says, I believe it's the equivalent to watching them or anyone shake themselves loose before uh, to prepare for a performance. It was much easier to talk to Richard about the closing of HHM, but to go talk to Cheryl, they need to bring their A game. So they've got the glasses with Rich because it's kind of casual, whatever. But then. Yeah, that's kind of in line with the first. Prepping themselves. The first take. Uh huh. Um, And then Jeremy goes into uh, a little more detail here. It says, I believe that the glasses or drinking, particularly alcohol, is a recurring motif for the collaborative strength of Jimmy and Kim. And their relationship. Uh, the theme of drinking being a connection point for Jimmy and Kim in particular as part of a con comes up in many of Jim's Jimmy's scams happen at bars, starting with Marco, but then continuing on with Kim mm-hmm. in the Victor and Giselle era. Um, in later seasons, Kim's like Kim likes to reflect on the balcony at their apartment, often leaving beer bottles on the rail or throwing them at the car park. <laughs> Jimmy frequently joins in those moments. And during the classic something stupid montage in season four episode seven the split screen moment of the pair eating dinner together is bridged by a bottle of wine which he attached the screenshot for uh and then later there is no bridge and they are drinking takeaway coffees um and also zafiro añejo is something that unites them that's that's the ken wins victor and giselle era too yep um yeah so the shots of the glasses in the scene at howard's funeral is preempting the tag team scam of jimmy and kim denying their involvement with Howard's death to his wife. Of course, this time they're drinking water and not alcohol. The fun's over. That's my theory. Um, and then James has yet another take. Kim and Jimmy putting their glasses down. Uh, I took this to be literal. Kim and Jimmy putting their purity down. Well, figurative. Yeah, putting their purity down as they're about to lie their asses off to Howard's wife. All right. Sure. That works. All those work. Everyone's wrong and everyone's <laughs> right. No, I I think my favorite one is still the first one because there were other glasses in that same place. That's one it that makes, makes the most sense to me. It definitely makes a certain amount of sense and I could also see it as like 
we need to focus up here. Yeah, stealing uh, themselves for a yeah. difficult moment. And just like sensitivity, right? We're going to speak to this woman. We don't want to be fiddling with glasses <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah, something a little uncouth about just walking up casually sucking from a glass while you're talking about your dead husband. Yeah, totally. Uh, all right, let's move on from that and let's talk about the South Valley. Uh, okay. Charlie writes in, says the line about the cartel keeping the South Valley was clearly intended to match up with Tuco's rant in Breaking Bad Season 1, Episode 6. Nobody moves Crystal in the South Valley but mm, me, bitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's an unincorporated neighborhood of Albuquerque, according to Wikipedia. Problem with the line is part of a larger problem with the franchise. The writers have never settled on the scale of either Gus's or the cartel's <laughs> operation. Yeah. In a few episodes, Gus is said to have restaurants and distribute meth in states from Texas all the way to Nevada, yep. making him an El Chapo-sized kingpin. Uh, however, he's also shown to be personally acquainted with and care about the fate of a couple of street-level dealers, as if he were a small-time gangster running a handful of blocks. From a staffing perspective, the criminal side of Gus's organization doesn't seem much bigger than 20 people, with characters like Mike, Tyrus, and Victor showing up to handle both tiny problems like Jane's OD and massive ones like poisoning the entire cartel's senior leadership. If we're to take the line literally that the cartel runs the South Valley directly, while Gus has the entire North, except uh, then then that produces the absurd map which he embedded below, which essentially shows <laughs> six states that are Gus's and then this tiny dot <laughs> in Albuquerque for Hector. Sure. Seems unfair. Um, so maybe the north just means northern Albuquerque, but in that case, how do we account for his Poyos empire extending into so many states? Uh, not the first franchise to play fast and loose with geography, but it doesn't bother my suspension of disbelief too much. Just a head scratcher. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree with you. They have not done a great job defining any of that stuff. And it's, you know, if they were going to get into the logistics of it, um, and that was going to be a plot point. I think they'd have to define that better. Mm-hmm. But because this show is all about, you know, character and the way people react to situations they're in, I don't think it matters as much. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. All right, let's move on to Tyler then. Um, going back to right before Better Call Saul aired, uh, Aaron and I were apparently doing our season two rewatch of uh, coverage of Breaking Bad. Um. And I mentioned my highest hope is the Better Call Saul is 95% as good as Breaking Bad, and that would be a tremendous achievement. We're so close to the end, but at this point, do you think the show has achieved that incredibly high mark? I think so. Um, Yeah, like I said, I I think there's an argument to be made that this is a better show than Breaking Bad. Uh, Technically, certainly. I'm, I'm still definitely a bigger fan of Breaking Bad. I think it's more fun for me to watch. And maybe it's just because of the time in my life that I watched it and mm-hmm. the fun I had covering it and all that stuff. Not that I'm, you know, having less fun now, but definitely it's, it's different. I've been doing this for many, many years uh, at this point over a decade and breaking bad was the first show that we really covered. So I was like super excited about it and it was all brand new and there's something inherently exciting about something being new. Yeah. Um, so it will always be my first love, for sure. But Better Call Saul is becoming a very close second. It, it's a very good show. Yeah. And 95%, absolutely. I think it's hit that. I think so, too. I They are different shows in, uh, pardon me for using this word again, but like in vibe. 
mm-hmm. because Better Call Saul is much more of a character-driven drama. Where some Better Call Saul is that what I said? That's what I meant to say. Uh, I think you might have said Breaking Bad is okay. Better Call Saul, where Breaking Bad is a lot more the action and the the weird scenario, right? The scenario of this 51, thank you very much, (laughs) 51-year-old school teacher going full meth head, or not meth head, um, meth cook. Yeah. There is a lot of character, there's a lot of character uh, drama in that still, Mm -hmm. definitely, but I feel like it is more about the drug stuff. Sure. Yeah, it's more more plot-driven. Yeah, it's Um, more, still character-driven, but in service of this very specific idea they had for the plot. And this show absolutely takes its time more than Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is a fucking cannonball run, man. It is Mm -hmm. like with few exceptions, every episode just hits harder and faster than you think it's going to. This show is the exact opposite. This show meanders around and takes its time and it's rewarding Mm -hmm. in its own way. It's just not the same. Yeah, just things develop differently. Yeah. In the different shows. I better call Saul is maybe a little bit more of a and I don't mean this to like put down anybody who likes Breaking Bad because I like Breaking Bad too, but Better Call Saul is maybe a little bit more of an adult show. Like a oh. grown up show. It's more of a grown up show. Oh my heart. In the sense that there is a, you know, pulse pounding action all the time or whatever. It's not <laughs> like you said, a cannonball run. It is more thoughtful. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I do. So I think they're both great, just in different ways. Yep. All right. Zach says, I apologize if this feels like old news after the next episode. This was before he had seen this one. Uh, but something I thought was a nice touch last week was Jimmy telling Kim that time would go by and they'd think about what happened to Howard less and less until they didn't think about it at all. This is the same line that Mike used on Jimmy to make him feel better about what happened in the desert. Mm-hmm. And it worked on Jimmy, but it didn't work on Kim. This pairs well with Mike telling Nacho's dad that there will be justice for his son, but that line of thinking not working on him. And it shows that the non-criminals in the show think differently from criminals. By Kim not accepting that line of reasoning, the writers draw a line between her and Jimmy. Jimmy and Mike are criminals. Kim is not. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think Kim brushed right up against the criminal world and she could have easily gone there but it wasn't it wasn't to to. her taste yeah the thing is like she also could have easily pulled jimmy back from it Mm -hmm. because jimmy was leaning out away from it yeah and she had her hand on his shoulder and she pushed him back toward it yep when she could have pulled away and that was that's a dark moment for kim but you're right it's not the criminal moment for kim Mm mm-hmm and she she was doing it in service of a greater good still. So even her criminality had something better in the future behind it. You know, it was still a it was more of a Robin Hood criminality as opposed sure, to sure. Jimmy's just straight up getting, yeah, it's, getting it's his criminality. The Mike thing, right? Like not everybody who breaks the law is a bad person. Yeah. You're a criminal. Mm-hmm. And then that can be, you know, for good or bad. 
Uh, all right. Josh H writes in and says, hey, Alexa. I mean, Alexis <laughs> and Jim. I see what you did there. Yep. Uh, we had to abandon the Kim is Wendy theory due to the events of the hit and run episode God. earlier this season. Forgot that was a theory. In its place, I thought Jim mm. would particularly <laughs> enjoy the Lyle is sketchy theory. Do you remember Sketchy? Sketchy's one of the guys who hung out at Jesse's house after he turned it into a, a party house. Yes, I do remember Sketchy. Uh, and if if you didn't know what he looked like, there's there's a picture of him here for you. Sorry to everyone. Everyone out there, just Google, ask a. Uh, Oh, hey, Google, yeah. look up Sketchy from Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah, but he sent in a screenshot uh, of the two side by side here, and they kind of look identical. Very and similar, yeah. He says, I don't know how seriously to take this, but it's made the rounds online. Could it be <laughs> that Lyle proves himself to be such a good employee that Gus brings him into the meth operation, where he eventually samples the product and takes a very dark path that leads him to Jesse's flop house parties in season four of Breaking Bad. It, judging by this picture, yes, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I mean, all things are possible under the sun, right? Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at these, but I keep leaning away from the mic. Um, I am looking at these pictures. They are quite convincing. It is uh-huh. a vaguely ginger white boy, uh, one looking much more tired and drawn out than the other. Yeah, long faces with... With eyes. both confused uh, or I don't know looks, <laughs> nah, I, I could see it. I could absolutely see it. Um, Josh also says in, in the Insider podcast, Peter Gould made specific reference that Carol Burnett, Burnett was gracious to come to Albuquerque for a good long while. Yet in this episode, she was only a handful of scenes. Also, that's a pretty big talent only used for a single episode. What do you think about the possibility of her threatening Jean because Jeffy confesses to her about the heist this episode? For what it's worth, I'd love for this character. Um, I'd love this for her character because as a kid, I saw Carol Burnett as the scammy, scummy Miss Hannigan <laughs> 1982 Annie movie. All right, yeah. I got potential spoiler information here. Oh. If anybody wants to know. You've been warned. She's also credited on IMDb as being in next week's episode. So that could be exactly what happens. She could connect the dots. Jeffy Mm -hmm. could get caught with some of his contraband. Like, why why do you have number nine, your lacy lingerie (laughs) is mine, Jeffy? What is this doing in my garage? You don't have a girlfriend. I know this. That's not a master cylinder. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, you definitely don't have a girlfriend. There's no possible way you have a girlfriend. (laughs) mean yeah yeah i mean it is that is a good question i hadn't thought about that angle too how is he actually going to fence all this stuff and how is he going to do it in a way that he doesn't immediately get caught because he's not like a criminal mastermind maybe that's the wrinkle yes that's the thing the angle we haven't seen is this guy has to fence this stuff and he's a dope so he's not going to do it right and you you would think saul would know the, the gene would know that right yeah. Like Gene should help fence this stuff. Rusty. Rusty Gene. Because like he said, if they go down, he goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the what the deal is there. I don't either. But it's very likely Carol Burnett will be back. We'll see. Anyway, Bob writes in and says, I like to think that uh, Saul swiped the handicap tag from a deceased client in 2008. God. 
I, I agree. That seems exactly like Saul. Grandma right? does seem exactly like Saul, though. Like he goes to comfort the family or something <laughs> at the funeral, and then he's snagging the handicapped he's spot. Got some sticky fingers. Sticker. Yeah. Uh, Anthony writes in, says, big fan from Australia. For many seasons now, I've been wondering if we will see Emilio. Uh, when mm. we first meet Jesse, he is cooking with Emilio. Mm-hmm. Also, when Jesse takes Walt to see Saul, he says, Saul got Emilio off. I've not heard on your podcast or on social media this theory at all. So if it happens, I want some serious brownie <laughs> points. What's your name again? Anthony. Anthony from Australia. All right. I'll put a pin in that. Yeah. But you'll have to also write in to claim them. Just how this works. I will forget, almost certainly. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, all right, Mike. <laughs> Mike writes in and says, literally two minutes into Nippy, and I noticed as Gene is approaching Carol Burnett on the sidewalk, dramatic music starts playing. Is it just me, or is this the first time in the show's history that a music cue other than a popular song has been used? Not sure what it means, but it struck me as interesting. Uh, the show is maybe more subtle about its musical cues, but... I think they're still there. The silence is me trying to run back in my mind. I don't know Every that I would even. Yeah, down, <laughs> right. I don't even song. know that I would make that distinction. So I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I'm notoriously bad for listening to music unless it is a licensed song of some kind or a, mm. a rearrangement of a licensed song. I very often miss the music entirely. So uh, I don't know. Not the best person to answer that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. All right, Garrett writes in. Not sure if you guys or anyone else noticed this, but there was some incredible research into the continuity and the story of Nippy, particularly <laughs> with all the Nebraska football banter. First off, Gene and Larry from Parks and Rec. No, Jerry from Parks and Rec. Talk about a Nebraska football loss to Texas in the security room. This actually happened when they were ranked number five in 2010. Taylor Martinez set the record they mentioned, and the Huskies actually did move to the Big Ten like they mentioned later. Hmm. The details don't matter as much, but it is really cool that the writers dedicated so much focus into matching it up with the aforementioned 2010's timeline. Just a testament to the greatness of this show. Uh, yeah. It's a nice no, touch. They, they do the research. And I wonder how much of this is research. Like you were saying, you know, do they go and Google the song that they want, or <laughs> do they just pull things out of their head that they know? Mm-hmm. And they know them so well that it turns up like, okay, well, 2010, how can we anchor this in 2010 with a conversation? Right. I don't know, football. I know something about football. In 2010, this was happening. Yeah. All right, we'll have them talk about it. Sure. Uh, that's probably more likely. You know, it's it's write what you know, right? Sure. If you can write what you know, you don't have to do any research <laughs> and it saves you a lot of time on a production that's already uh, squeezed for time. Yeah. I suppose that makes sense. All right, Reginald writes in and says, palate cleansers like pickled ginger and sorbet mm. serve a vital purpose of being a neutral flavored bridge as you enjoy going from one strong flavor to the next. Nippy serves the same purpose by being better called Saul's Bico. I get none of these food references, by the way. Apparently, Bico is a Filipino sticky rice cake. Mm. It, pickled ginger you and know. sorbet. Yeah. Sorbet? Sorbet? You know what sorbet is. Yeah, like a fruit uh, ice. ice cream, essentially. It's, not, it's just ice. There's no cream in it. Yeah, fruit-based fruit based ice cream is what I think of it as. <laughs> it's not ice cream. I know. It doesn't have milk in it, so it's not ice cream technically. But Pickled ginger? What are you... What are you sushi, man. It, it's sor- yeah, I know about the sushi, okay. but sorbet? Is that a palate cleanser? Between what? 
I don't know. I don't it doesn't know. matter. <laughs> it, doesn't, it really could not matter less. Okay. I'm assuming Reginald has a point here, uh, and we're about to get to it. Palate cleansers. Just think in those terms. The last few episodes have been full of spicy breakups and stare downs. We've been feasting on calorie dense drama and death. With Nippy, it was nice to take a slower pace and enjoy some slapstick humor. The show's message about good guys finishing last is getting a little tedious, though. BCS seems to want everyone to know a few things. If you're kind and accommodating like Kathy or Jimmy's parents, you're a naive sheep that's going to get taken advantage of by wolves that are far smarter than you. If you want to talk about mundane things like sports instead of bloody wine, you're an unsophisticated slob. Whoa. Oh, hmm. did the show ever say that about Jerry? Mm-mm. Frank? Sorry. <laughs> I don't think so. Jerry, Terry, Larry, Gary. It's, if, a, it's a joke. <laughs> it's a Parks and Rec joke. If you're a regular job, if you have a regular job, while looking after your elderly and slightly cranky, thank you, mother, <laughs> then you're a loser. A little pessimistic, yeah, but hey, this is a better call Saul Breaking Bad Universe, and we all know what we signed up for. Anyway, all in all, Nippy was a pleasurable episode because it gave us a chance to catch our breath for a second before the roller coaster starts up again. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Like I said at the top of the podcast, I did thoroughly enjoy this episode, even if it did not. <laughs> you know, punt the ball down the field very far. Yeah, me too. I like the idea of it as a palate cleanser. Plus, you're getting a little bit of Slip and Jimmy again. Mm-hmm. A Slip and Jimmy scheme, which we've always loved. Yeah. And that's kind of what we were excited for, right? Mm-hmm. Coming out of the, the previous seasons with the Gene stuff, we're like, okay, when he says he's going to take matters into his own hands, it's got to mean a scam. It's got to mean a scam because that's... That's his whole deal. Yeah. And we've kind of lost that on the other end of this show, right? The 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 Jimmy stuff that's been happening lately has been horrible. Yeah. And he's been getting brutalized by it. A lot of the fun has been sucked out. And that was a problem with Breaking Bad toward the end, too. Mm-hmm. And invariably, they found little ways to keep the humor all the way through the end of that show. And I think the Gene stuff here really helped out with that for yeah, the show. Yeah, for sure. All right, Scott's up next, says, uh, providing more detail. He he did provide some more detail on the timeline of the football conversations. And then he had two other points of note. Um, obviously, we haven't gotten to the November 12, 2010 phone call that Francesca takes. Mm-hmm. Has to be Kim calling on his birthday, right? That should be fun. I assume so. Now, there's a lot of snow on the ground, and it's if we haven't got to November 12th, it's got to be early November. Mm-hmm. I suppose you could have a lot of snow on the ground. I don't know what the snow situation is like in Nebraska, how soon that starts, how soon it started yeah. 10 years ago as opposed to now, now that everything's hotter. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't remember a decade ago. Um, and then point two here was they got the counting out the plan in rhyming couplets thing from <laughs> The Dirty Dozen, apparently. It's a classic scene. I've never mm. seen The Dirty Dozen. I haven't either. But can't believe you who, haven't seen it. Wow. Yeah. You who has seen everything except for The Dirty Dozen and The Carol Burnett Show. That's it. Those are your blind spots. (laughs) I mean, they're both way before (laughs) my time. What can I do? Uh, I've seen everything from 1980 on. Sure. That probably is right. Uh, Yeah. People who know The Dirty Dozen are like, yes, he's exactly right. I'm sure. Good. I'm happy you're all having this moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. James writes in and says, similarly to Jimmy carrying $7 million forever through the desert, did Jeff have to get some get to 20-some item categories stolen in around three minutes for the story to be told? Why not just 10 categories of stolen items? It would have made it more believable. 
Say half the time was spent lugging the items to the crate and storing them. That would give Jeff approximately 90 seconds for grabbing 20 categories or about 4.5 seconds per category. Uh, yes. So I think this, the way I'm interpreting this is this was calculated greed. He could have gotten less and it would have been less risky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if he couldn't have gotten his time down to what Gene wanted him to get it to, they would have just, yeah, started subtracting stuff from the mnemonic and just not steal as much. Right. And like I said earlier, it actually took 11 minutes to run this thing. <laughs> so, you know, they took some liberties with that. Um, and it probably feels like there's more than you could do in three minutes because you just couldn't do it in three minutes. Yeah, because there literally is more than you could do in three minutes. But mm-hmm. but we're all, we're all just kind of <laughs> agreeing to be okay with that. Yeah, I think so. All right, Brett from Brooklyn says, I suspect I'm in the minority here, but I found this nippy episode to be just okay. Not bad by any means, but in the same way the previous episode made people realize that maybe they regretted wanting Jimmy to become Saul, I found myself not really invested in uh, an all-gene story, despite every previous season's opening priming me for one. While cool in execution, the department store caper didn't totally click with me, other than to see Gene getting some of his mojo back, but I don't think I needed to see that. They did such an incredible job with the fun and games episode the series could have ended there and i'd be just as fine not knowing what happened to gene as i am knowing exactly what gus was up to in chile uh not knowing exactly what gus was up to in chile uh i'll be watching till the end but if it's but it's more of a coast to a stop than a brace for impact i mean so far mm-hmm. i think you know there will be like we're we, building we again yeah we're building again for sure yeah that other shoe's gonna drop and it's probably gonna land right on him right on his stupid head stupid face (laughs) alright Tom writes in and says this was the first episode in a while where I wasn't excited to rewatch while it was expectedly well crafted didn't reveal anything new about Gene it was slower than most episodes and the final twist was just Gene's harsh speech stating something that should have been obvious from the beginning that criminal co-conspirators can't turn each other in I really enjoyed Gene being spooned out over the seasons but it was usually in anticipation of an awesome Big conclusion, and this episode didn't meet those expectations. Hopefully, the remaining gene time will pay off better for me. Uh, yeah, I'm including some you know opinions that differ from mine for the sake of variety. Yeah, no, and I don't I, think everybody loved this episode. Yeah, I I will say for my part, um, I've I feel positive about it, but I didn't love it either, and I also was not super mm. excited to rewatch it because I was like. 30 yeah. minutes of Cinnabon eating. All right, let's do it again, I guess. <laughs> That's true. It's a lot like, you know, Mike breaking down the car to yeah. find the, the gas cap tracker. Um, once you know what what the deal is, it's definitely harder to rewatch. And that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's why I think, you know, I'm going to enjoy a rewatch of Breaking Bad probably even more than this show is because Breaking Bad just moves. You know, there aren't those scenes where they're like, yeah, yeah, I know about this. Let's just get on with it. Yeah. You can just enjoy the moment and the moment will be there for a moment, not (laughs) an entire episode. (laughs) So I get you, yeah. Um, But I watched it twice and each time I was laughing out loud. I I did, yeah. By the end, whenever (laughs) Jeff bonks his noggin again, I I was laughing again. Uh Yeah, no, it was still still a good episode. Uh, It was a building episode again, however... Mm -hmm. So you can, some people like that, some people don't. And then we, we can turn it back positive here with Joao, who writes in, this week's episode was really fun. 
we got to see Gene give us glimpses of Saul and how he hasn't forgotten how to pull his tricks. I think he's really happy with his current life in Omaha, at least as happy as he can be considering the circumstances, and he couldn't let some low-life taxi driver ruin it. Good old Saul, make your mama love him while you hate him. <laughs> it was slipping Jimmy on steroids right down to the poor me bit with the guard when Jeff fell on camera. Yeah. Yeah, this is classic stuff. And I like to see it, and, and it... it piques my curiosity as to where Gene's going to end up, you know, because Gene could have lived that sad life until the day he died, sad and lonely, mm-hmm. uh, feeling unfulfilled because he wasn't Saul, or he can go out with some flair here and probably get taken down. I wonder if that's his plan, if he's just like, you know, I'm not living a life here. Because, mm. I, I don't know, Joe Weil says that he is happy with his life there in Nebraska. I'm mm. feeling the opposite. I don't think he's happy with it at all. I feel like he was neutral about it, if anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad life, I, I don't think. Well, it's like, boring. I'm, it's boring. Sure, it's boring, but I don't know. I don't I don't have a huge <laughs> problem with that. Whatever. Uh, a boring life is not necessarily a bad life. No, no, but there are definitely people who can tolerate a boring life a lot more easily than others. Absolutely, and, and Jimmy is not one of those guys. Jimmy is longing for something more. Um, and I could see him saying, you know what, if I'm going to go out eventually, I'm just going to live my life on my own terms. And if I get taken down, I get taken down. Yeah. Maybe this Albuquerque isotopes dangler, cause that's apparently what they're called, mm-hmm. uh, was just like his excuse to yeah. get back in the game. It feels like it could be. All right. Jack says to me, this episode was an excellent return to form for Jimmy. He never lost his slip in ways, even after facing his death multiple times and losing everyone who has ever loved him. Thinking of all the pain he's experienced in both shows, it is wild to me that he still had it in him to concoct this intricate heist. For this feedback, I just wanted to pick out the closing scene where he returns to the department store, finds a very Saul shirt and tie, holds it in front of himself in the mirror, and then hangs it back up. I saw some folks around the internet thinking this is his leaving... Wait, that his leaving the outfit behind was a sign of him deciding not to continue regressing into his old Saul and Jimmy ways. But I saw it as the opposite. Instead of putting the items back in place, he hangs the outfit on the rack's outer rung so it is in the most plain view possible. I think he went back to the store to admire his handiwork and leave this as a calling card. Uh, Yeah, I'm right there with you, Jack. I I think that's exactly what he was doing. And I think he's honestly just reinventing himself again. Mm -hmm. You know, he's done it so many times from... He, all the way back at his dad's convenience store, right? He yep. he kind of invents slipping Jimmy, and then I mean he didn't call himself that, but <laughs> it was a, a pejorative. But yeah, he was slipping Jimmy, and then he created Saul Goodman, and now he's and then he created Gene with mm-hmm. the help of you know a disappear a vacuum man, and now I think he's creating someone new. I don't even think this is slipping Jimmy or Saul Goodman or any of those. I think this is his final form. Yeah, the person he needs to be for the point in his life that he is at. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm excited to see who that is over the next three episodes. Yeah, me too. Okay. (laughs) And we got one more email um, from Mantis Toboggan, who I think is a doctor of some sort. (laughs) Last I I heard. That's a reference. (laughs) Says, long time, first time. After watching the latest episode and reflecting on it, it suddenly occurred to me that Chuck is the cause of everything, not only in Better Call Saul, 
the, the later events of Breaking Bad as well. Hmm. Chuck brought Jimmy to the ABQ, and Chuck was partly the inspiration for Jimmy becoming a lawyer. Chuck, despite his attempt to do the opposite, turned Jimmy into Saul. Without Saul, Walt and Jesse never meet Mike. If they never meet Mike, they never reach Gus. In that alternate universe, Gus defeats the cartel and I'm fairly certain lives happily ever after. Sure, there were many decisions made by many other people along the way, but it always starts with an introduction. In this case, Saul introducing Walt and Jesse to Mike. Yeah, that's a fair point. And he mentions, you know, how Gus had Gale, so he wouldn't have really needed Walt. He Walt wouldn't was just have needed Walt. Him. Yeah, Walt was literally... <laughs> Gale only suggested Walt when he, he got horny about how pure his product was. Yeah. Absolutely. It was like point something percent more pure than his. It's than his, it's like, yeah. And he was like, much. oh, that's like a huge leap. Is it Gale? Is it Gale? Right. Or are you just a fucking nerd? He's a nerd. You nerd. You dead ass nerd. Anyway, yeah, I mean, there's a case, you know, to be made that Chuck's at the heart of all of this. I mean, I've I've long argued that Chuck is, if not just partially, then maybe mostly to blame for Jimmy turning out who Jimmy is. Yeah, he never, uh, he's one of these characters who just doesn't really get a chance in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people are just preemptively shitting on him. Mm-hmm. A little bit like Jesse. Yeah, they're biased against him for whatever perceived slight. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then, you know, Jimmy just doubles down on all that and makes things worse for himself. But <laughs> certainly he gets a bad rap. But that's about it. That's all we got for this week. Yeah. Uh, we will, of course, be back for next week's episode on Wednesday. Uh, if you'd like to leave us some feedback to consider on that episode, you can do so at bcs at baldmove.com. I think that's it for this week. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll ponder that stuff more next week. Indeed. But until then, I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. See ya. Bye.